Hello and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 44. This week my guest is Marcia Clayton who writes historical romance. So stick around to hear all about her family tree exploration and so much more. At my desk this week, well at my desk this week I've been having a bit of a I don't know whether I'm just making more work for myself. Well, I am making more work for myself, but I've kind of got it into my head that I'd really like to illustrate my my work in progress, which is the the Midwitch, which I've talked to talked about before. So the Midwitch is edited. I've finished my edits for, from my editor, and it's kind of ready to be formatted now. And I'm pretty much happy with the book cover. I'm still working on the blurb. I think I've got my tagline and, you know, it's all looking quite good. But I've kind of taken it into my head that I would really like it to have some illustrations for each chapter heading. Perhaps just a small thing. No, I'm not talking about a whole, you know, I'm not talking about colour plates or anything. I, I just would like it to have a little line drawing at the beginning of each chapter. So I, I, I've seen a few people online and on TikTok and on different things, you know, really enjoying a few illustrations within the books that they're reading and I think possibly with adult books we often don't bother with illustrations it was like it's like we've got too grown up for it but what I'm noticing is that when there are illustrations the readers seem to really enjoy that well I am an artist and I could so easily provide some illustrations for this work so I thought well while I'm going through the editor's notes and obviously working through each chapter and accepting pretty much accepting all of her changes I thought I would make a little note in in my book as to what I would consider the illustration for that chapter to be which is exactly what I do for children's work when I go back and sort of check my editor stuff I then begin to think about the illustrations and I write down for each chapter what the illustrations would be also for children's books I would put you know more than one illustration per chapter there'd be two or three so you know that's a different thing but I just thought it'd be quite nice if the illustrations were there for each chapter heading and and it's quite easy to do and I think because I publish children's work chapter books with, with illustrations within them it's it's really not that hard to format you just literally drop drop the illustrations in there I've never worked with colour illustrations I've only done line drawings which I'm very happy to do I'm very happy you know doing line and wash what they call line and wash black and white pen pen and ink drawings I'm very happy to do that and you can do them quite easily um, I mean I in the past I've done both I've done um, uh, line and wash or pen and ink drawings actually in pen and ink on paper and I've also done them in you know straight into the graphics tablet into photoshop and drawn them you know with the pen on onto the tablet and use them that way so and actually you really can't tell the difference if you look at um, both of my children's works the first book Sophie Lyme Diamonds and Thieves those drawings were done on paper you know and then scanned in and you know put into the book that way and the second book uh, Sophie Line Swans and Soup those those drawings are drawn straight into the graphics tablet and I, I don't think you can tell the difference you can't tell which was you know what, what I would consider a real drawing on real paper or which was the other sort so yeah so it would be easy enough to do they're quite easy to to drop in and, and do that and and the trouble is now I've kind of written out made a few tiny little sketches in my in my notebook here I, I kind of feel 
Yes, it's going to put off publication for a little bit longer, although I will probably start to send out to ARC readers pretty soon and maybe give you the first illustration or something just to see what you think. But yeah, it, it's getting there and um, I don't know. it. Not doing it, now I've kind of got the idea and I can see the pictures very clearly in my head. Not doing it kind of feels like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of feels like spoiling the spoiling the project for a heapoth of tar. I don't know what the expression is. You know what I mean. You know, it just feels like for another couple of weeks and I could get these done, it might make it something really special. And I think it is really special. Anything that we produce is really special. So anyway, I'll keep you updated as to whether I carry on and, and actually do these drawings and put them up and as, you know, chapter headings, little chapter heading drawings, and, and we'll see how we get on with that. So that's me. Um, that's what I've been doing at my desk this week, finishing off the edits and thinking about exactly what drawings I would do um, to uh, illustrate the midwitch. So, yeah, happy days. OK. Right, enough of me rabbiting on. Come and meet Marcia Clayton. I know you're going to love her. Really, we had a really interesting chat about all sorts of things. So um, on the Words and Pictures podcast this week, my guest lives in Devon. She's called Marcia Clayton and she writes historical romance. So hello, Marcia, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on for a chat. Yes, it's, lo it's lovely, to, lovely to see you and, uh, well, talk to you. So you're writing the historical romance and you're setting everything in Devon because that's where you live, Marcia, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I was born in Devon and I've never wanted to live anywhere else. I love it in the countryside. Um, and I think they always tell you to write about what you know. So I, I know all about Devon. So that's where my novels are set. Yeah. And I think that that makes it a very, you know, I think when you write about a place that you know really well, then it comes across in the prose and, and people can feel even if they don't know Devon themselves they'll get a better feeling of Devon from reading that because you know it so well and um are your and I was obviously I've read your bios and things all you people before you come on and I was absolutely fascinated by your story about the researching your own family history would you like to tell me a little bit about that yes well that was what led me into writing a book in the first place really because my mum um her mum my grandmother then um left the family when my mum was 18 months old and my mum never actually met her mum after that she never saw her again um the father was uh, working obviously and he couldn't manage to look after four children so my mum and her brother they were the youngest ones and first they went into care and then they were adopted and moved to the village where I now live but because of all this my mum knew very little about her past and she wasn't really interested, to be honest. She didn't want to look back or find out anything about them. But I was intrigued. And as soon as my children went to school full time, I was in the record office doing research and trying to build a family tree. Uh, I was lucky because most of our family lived in a village called Coombe Martin in North Devon. And they didn't seem to have moved around very much. So I was able to piece them together. But anybody who's done family history research will know that you end up with lots of people and you've got to try and figure out which ones belong to you. Um, and so I just became intrigued. And in doing that, I discovered stories of other families that weren't connected to my own. But you can sort of read stories into it through the births, marriages and deaths and the census returns. And I just thought this would make a really good book. <laughs> and that's how the first, tree, uh, first Mazard Tree book started. 
yeah fascinating stuff and, and like you say your imagination as a writer can you 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 start piecing up stories together when you you begin to read things because sometimes I can read something in a paper or a magazine and or or indeed you know if I'm sitting in a cafe and I'm watching people I'm always making up what it is they do or what they've done or you know when they had an argument with their wife this morning and stuff like that I just can't help my imagination is always in overflow so I imagine that's absolutely perfect for that kind of thing did you ever find out what happened um you know what why why the mother left did you ever find out why I that- don't know why she left I presume the marriage must have been unhappy I don't know what was intriguing was that she left and initially went to Bristol and later moved to London. Um, and I think when she left my grandfather, she probably didn't know, but she was carrying her fifth child, um, which came to be my Uncle Bill. Uh, he didn't know anything about the family in Devon. He was raised in London thinking another man was his father. And it wasn't until my wedding, when my mum was in her 60s, that he contacted her, he traced her, and they became reunited. So it was an intriguing story. The Mazard Tree. Tell me, tell me about the story there then that you've written, that, that first book that was based on that historical research that you did. Well, it's not based um, particularly on my own family. It's just characters I've come across in doing family history. So it, none of that actually relates to my mum and dad and everybody. But um, the Mazard Tree in the area that I live, Lanky in North Devon, um, Mazard used to be a... a a major crop it's orchards of cherries and they were called mazard greens um, oh really i didn't know that yeah oh. my dad was a farmer and he had a mazard green but picking them was very labor intensive and i think after the certainly after the second world war it died out and there's vir- virtually none around now but yes the story of the mazard tree is it's in a uh, it's imaginary village in north devon i made up a name of hartford it's on the coast it's a seaside village near the moorlands and obviously we've got Dartmoor and Exmoor, so that gives plenty of scope for your imagination. It's, it's set in the 1880s, and the family in the manor house, the rich family, are called the, Hart, the, sorry, the Fellwood family. And they've got a life of ease, and they're enjoying every comfort that life can bring. Uh, they're, not a, they're not bad people. They treat their uh, workers well. But nevertheless, times are very hard in the village of Hartford. And the story focuses on a young girl called Annie Carter, who's one of seven children, and her father dies of uh, consumption, leaving her mum with all these children to feed. Uh, And as they're in a tied cottage, looking at eviction. So in desperation, she ends up stealing from the manor house garden um, and is seen by Robert, the heir to the estate. And the love story starts from there, really. <laughs> ah, yes, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Uh, and every, everybody loves an honest thief. Okay? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. So and I have, I've never heard of the Mazar tree. I wondered what that meant, you know, when I look when I looked at it, when I looked up your stuff. Um I always ask everybody about their their book covers. And uh, I, I see you're very lucky because you've got a daughter-in-law that does does your book covers and they look yeah. they look nice I like them they're good she's done really well because was she is she a graphic designer herself yes she's a graphic designer she doesn't specifically do book covers but when I wrote the Mazar tree and it was written over several years which is something I've, I've listened to one of your podcasts saying that 
also spent far too long on their first book. And you, yes, you were yeah, I spent ten. I spent ten on mine. Well, my I think mine was even yeah. longer because yeah. I picked it up and put yeah. it down. I yeah. had three children, and I just wrote a few chapters when I could. Exactly. So, and I think as as women, life gets in the way. We have so many things, so many. I know, I know it sounds a cliche thing to say the balls juggling the balls, but it really is that yeah. you know you're trying to raise your family and put, hold a job down and keep your marriage going and clean the house and get the laundry <laughs> on, and, and then you know you think write a book. Well, you know, and uh, that's exactly what happened to me. It took me ages to, you know, bring it into the fruition. Of course, now I'm older. You know, I think we're of a similar age, you and me, Marcia, looking looking at us. Um, <clears throat> well, ladies of uncertain years, aren't indeed, we? Indeed, indeed. Well, and I mean, and. Uh, Sorry. You know, and this is the thing. That now's the time to get some of this other stuff done, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's right. I probably would never have even thought of publishing a book because I just wrote it as a pastime for myself, really. But my son, my oldest son, is a musician and he also writes music books. And he puts lots on Amazon to sell and he makes a really good living at it. Um, and he saw me writing this book. He said, you put it on Amazon, Mum? And I said, no, you know. But anyway, he helped me to do that. And, of course, then I needed a cover. So Laura, his wife, being a graphic designer, she designed me a cover. The first, it's not the cover that you see now. It was um, a paler pink with more flowers on. But when I wrote the rest of the series, she did a beautiful cover for the angel maker, the second book. And someone said to me, they don't look as if they belong together. And because I wanted to write a series, uh, I wanted to sort of keep to a theme so now I think they all look a little bit as if they belong to each other. Oh, they do. Yes, yeah. they do look of a, of a piece. And I think sometimes that's the, as I do my own covers. I'm also got an art, art background. But um, so what I found is um, I, and mine are on, you know, my, my fantasy stuff's on, on. I don't know how many covers it's had quite a few now. Yeah. But but when I when I did when I finally wrote the last book, I kind of took everything down and then started again and then made them as a as a series so that they they actually do look like they belong to each other now. And and even the stuff that I'm working on now, I I'm very much thinking about what the next book will look like. I'm kind of much more I'm a bit further down the road. I'm more more experienced in thinking. I, th I think sometimes you can think of a book as being uh, an individual uh, but I think what you need to think of it is being connected, and, and I think even if you write standalones, your 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 stable of books, your shelf of books that you've written, still needs to look like they all belong to you as an author. You know, I think you need yes. to use similar typefaces and something to hang it together so that they look, you know, they look together. Yeah, but they do look together anyway. So well done, her. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's quite a tricky business, especially when you're making. Um, the she probably said or perhaps she didn't perhaps she's just so nice she never said the, because actually making the covers for print books and I see you're in paperback as well yeah. is it's quite a tricky business that whole getting it to yes. sit well and I see you you're also in uh are you also uh Barnes and Noble you're published with as well well, yeah, so you, I have I've never done Barnes and Noble. I've I've done Ingram Spark from, from well, I do Ingram Spark um, as well. Yeah, I only signed up to Barnes and Noble recently and just claimed an author page. Oh, well done! I only yeah. sell the books through Amazon. Uh, yeah, Barnes okay. They get them from Amazon, but um, just going back to Laura, it's funny how it's changed her her work as well, really, because in going to book fairs and different things. Um, People have liked my covers and it's brought her extra work. So she now does design book covers. 
Yes, and good, it's good for her. It's been a good thing all round. Um, yeah, also yeah. Two of the covers. Um, I'll give myself a little, no, not myself, a pat on the back, Laura, really. Um, I belong to All Author, which is an organisation that helps you with tweets and Facebook messages and all sorts of things, covers and banners. And mm-hmm. The Angel Maker and my very recent book, Betsy, both came second in their monthly competition in two separate months. Oh, that's brilliant. That good really for her. Yeah. And good for you. Good yeah. For so 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 what's that called? I've not heard of that, Marcy. Oh. See, talk to these Yeah. What what's it called again? It's called All Author. So A L L and then another capital A author. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've not heard of it. Tell me about that. You can set up tweets. So they tweet several times a day for you. Oh yeah. You can enter the cover of the month competition. They do lots of banners for you. It's just a lot of publicity, really. Yeah. There's a network of authors on there. So you follow each other and become friends and read each other's books. And um, I find it very useful. Yeah. And, and is it for di- different genres of authors or, oh, authors, or specifically yeah, right. for, yeah. So not just his history. No, yeah. And also for readers, but mainly authors. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, I'll put the link. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll get, I'll get that off you properly later it's on. Worth looking at. But I'll, I'll do- yeah, and I'll put that put that down because it's interesting for people to know. And you know, and like I say, I've been in this space for a very long time, too long probably. And uh, every time I talk to another person on the podcast, I I learn a little bit more, which is why I do it. I just want to pick everybody's yeah. brains, really. <laughs> I think we all <laughs> do that, don't we? Pick each other's. Yeah, brains. yeah. It's the only way. Learn, yeah, isn't it? it is. And I think indie authors, I think we're very good at. Um, helping each other out and, and and help and sharing our knowledge and, and passing things on yes. and I think I think that's really good uh, and, and it's all part of it and I see you're also on Goodreads and I, I was talking to somebody about Goodreads um it's, it's not uh, it's not a published podcast yet I think it'll go out in another three weeks or something um and I'm I'm sort of on Goodreads but I've never really got on with it or well I don't I don't mean got on with it like I don't like it it's just I've never really made enough time to get on and make something of it now how how do you find the goodreads um, thing do you find that's helpful i don't find it easy to use it took me a long time to get my head around it oh perhaps that's my problem that'd yeah. be my problem <laughs> i'm not too sure how useful it is to be honest i i use it you have a challenge um to, of how many books you're going to read for the year um which is a bit of fun you can just you know i put down 45 this year i think and i'm about six books ahead of my target but it's only yeah. your own personal target it doesn't matter whether you meet it or not um you get reviews on there and you do get to know other authors so I and I also post um my newsletters on there I send it a, a newsletter once a month to my followers and readers oh that's nice yeah I didn't know that was a thing on there I'm, I'm sure I've looked into this years ago and then never quite got it going and it's like so many of these things you you've got to keep on with it really you, have. you know and yeah you can post blogs on it so that's how I put my newsletters on there is a blog yeah um yeah but if you want to sometimes you'll find another book appears in your section yours as if you've written the book and it's not your book so from time to time there are problems and I can never sort them out myself I always have to go to their help and get them to help me <laughs> Because yeah, um, like I said, I, I don't think it's very user friendly. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I found it a bit a little bit glitchy when I was on there, you know. Uh, but then, like I say, I I can't really 
you know, pass judgment because I'm I'm not on their property. I mean, I'm on there somewhere. If you go on to Goodreads, you'll find DJ Bowman Smith and it. it's right. you know, my my stuff's up there, but but I don't even know whether my more recent stuff's up there. But anyway, I need to get back. I need to get it back into that and have a little look because the person I was talking to, and I, I their name escapes me at this point, but they were saying um that they really rated it and they really found that it was a really helpful thing to be to be yeah. on and that yeah. they got lots of reviews and connections and that kind of thing yeah I think that's true I have uh, gained connections through it and I think yeah. if you live in America you can offer giveaways on it but I think it's quite expensive to do so but that facility doesn't, doesn't seem to be available for people in the UK yeah yeah it's it's interesting how these things are um you know they they vary from country to country don't they yeah interesting um and and so on social media you're you're on um you're obviously i think i found you on twitter yes, yes i'm on facebook yeah and twitter and instagram uh, yeah that's... you haven't ventured into tiktok yet i haven't ventured into tiktok no <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i'm, I'm on everything you, would, yeah. you, you you put put my name in social media i just pop <laughs> oh, up. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm across the whole the whole nine yards um i i don't get on very well with instagram oddly i don't know why that is i don't feel i don't feel i, I find it very hard to connect over there and the same with facebook which is strange because you know people all people still really like Facebook and I think it's quite good for authors. But I think really the 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 thing that you're on most is the thing that works, and I think it's it's a case of time, really, well, it isn't is, it? Yeah. Of, of being being on there and get getting on there. And I still like tick, um, tick, um, Twitter, to be honest. I like Twitter. Uh, I use Twitter. I like Twitter. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And if you reach think it... groups, which I'm hoping make, make, reach a few people. Yeah, Facebook. I'm in a few groups uh, with other authors, and I find their support invaluable. They uh, really are supportive about you know yeah. when you want to know something or find something out. So it's useful from that point of view. Uh, yeah, I'm with yeah. you on Instagram, I've not been using Instagram very long, and I'm not sure how valuable at all it is to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't seem to you know. I think it looks pretty. You know, I go on there and like people's stuff and think how nice it is. But I don't post on there as often as I should, really. Anyway, I digress with usual about the the things. Uh, so yeah, Barnes and Noble. You're saying you're putting putting a, a an author page on there. Mm, that's that's interesting. I'm, I might get on there and do that. You know, Marcia. Well, <laughs> I'm writing it on my notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I went on there and claimed it. And yeah, a little worry about whether that's okay with selling my books through Amazon, but they must all come through Amazon because I don't offer them anywhere else. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is with Amazon, it's still the biggest thing. I mean, I, I tried to, when I kind of, uh, I gave up supply teaching a couple of years ago and decided that I was really going to give this author thing a good old, yeah. really, really good push. And uh, before that, I, I started off and I kind of bought my stuff out with the new covers and everything. And then I, I went wide. I decided oh, wide was the thing. And I and I went properly wide. I wasn't in Kindle Unlimited and I went completely wide. And um I couldn't make it stick. No. I could I could I couldn't make the wide thing stick. I tried and I, I but it's very hard to, you know, if you're on draft to digital or um Kobo or any of those things, it's it's actually very hard to advertise in those things. I think wide works if you're already famous. You know, or or you're a well-known author, or you've got a massive following, or whatever that is. But if you're just, you know, 
should we call ourselves everyday authors or middle listers or whatever it is? No, you're just just normal, just normal writer, just plodding along, you know, as so many of us are. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's very hard to get any traction, yeah. but you can you can do that with with the Amazon. I so I took I I'm not wide anymore. I took it all down and I just stick the Amazon now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the KDP, the Kindle Unlimited. Yeah, me too. So yeah, and that works well, really. I think I get as many sales through that really as through ordinary sales as many pages yeah. then you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah it is it is interesting um so you're writing your historical romance um are you an impossible romantic then Marcia <laughs> <laughs> I suppose slightly maybe are you yeah, yeah I don't know I'm, I'm quite practical and down to earth really but um Romance does feature in my books, but I think it's more historical, uh, historical, I mean, it's a hysterical one, historical. Hyster fiction. Hysterical <laughs> romance. Hysterical <laughs> That's um, another genre. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, like I say, romance does feature, but not heavily. Yes. It's, so so would you say your books are, um, are they a, what I'd call a clean read? Or yes, yeah, they are. Right? Yeah. Clean, clean read, and yeah. So, so anybody could read them and, and not feel offended or anything like that. Yeah. So, so that's that's interesting. You don't want to you don't want to go there. Yeah. I go everywhere in my oh, stuff. <laughs> We're very different writers here. <laughs> I go all the way and so. Oh, right. <laughs> so, but but you have to write what you feel comfortable with. Well, Otherwise, yeah. I like yeah. to be a bit of imagination. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And that's entirely up to you. And, you know, as as independent authors, we can do, you know, what we feel. And I think that's really important. I think sometimes um, if you feel uncomfortable writing something, you know, and, and that could be violence or it could be sex or whatever that might be. If you feel uncomfortable writing it, it, it shows on the page, no matter how nice the prose is, it it shows the or the reader will not be fooled. So unless you're you know, completely okay with it, and then it comes across as fine. It it's it's incredible how that kind of works. I was reading something recently um, on an ebook thing, and and it was a really good story. And then oddly, they put this sex scene in at the end, and it, and it was almost like the the publishers said, "Oh, it's got to have some sex in it." And the and the person put the sex scene in, and it really didn't it really didn't hang together. You know what I mean? And I just thought, you don't want to write this sex no. scene, and that's why it doesn't work on any level. It wasn't it wasn't realistic or funny or or sexy. No. Do you know what I mean? Or any of that stuff. And it was just like, and and I almost felt because there hadn't been any at all in the book, and then when it came across it, I was almost and I don't care. I read everything you know, including smart. And I read it and I just thought, I actually feel embarrassed. It was like, it's like your grandma talking about yeah. it. It felt really wrong. So yeah, I think exactly what you feel comfortable with is what you write. Yeah. You clearly you, felt yeah. that, that author's embarrassment, yeah. didn't you? I did, I did. I really did. It was really funny. Whereas I read much more steamy stuff yeah. and I write much more yeah. steamy stuff, you know, and, and I, and it was quite, quite strange. Yes. Very odd. Yes, definitely. Yes, very, very interesting, I think, to uh, to do that. So you're you're very keen on um, doing the research. Do you find that the research gets out of hand and you get too much or are you are you really strict with yourself? How, how do you manage the research? Because I think sometimes you get too much to deal you with, don't you? If you're, do. Um, the research go down the rabbit hole. It does get out of hand. I tend to go off on tangents that I had no intention of following things. 
thoroughly enjoy it and then think, oh, hang on a minute, I'm supposed to be writing a book. I better try and get back to the, to the main thing I'm looking for. But I think that's part of the enjoyment, really. I mean, that that's part of it for me. I, I like researching. I mean, the last book I wrote was Betsy, which is set in Regency times. And whilst I'd done a lot of research on Victorian times uh, because that's where the other three are set, I, my history wasn't quite as strong on the Regency period. So I did a lot of research and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, mm. And I don't put too much in, but you do need a bit of background to get a context. And yeah, yeah. So you know, it's, it's yeah. I think you have to be strict with yourself, don't you? You do, and it's um, it's everything, isn't it? It's the way of life. It's the costumes. It's the, what they eat. All sorts of things you've got to consider. Yeah, and also I think people that read historic historical fiction they they are quite knowledgeable and I think I was talking to uh, uh, another lady who writes historical fiction and she said if you get it wrong and if she writes about the Tudors and uh, if you uh, Gemma Lawrence it was she she writes about she writes about the Tudors and she said if you get it wrong they're really cross with you because they they know they read this stuff and and they know about it you know so, so you can't yeah I just go on and make everything up and they can't can't you're saying uh, yeah, that's it. Well, all my stuff's entirely it's, imaginative. So historical yeah. fiction, you've got to be so careful because you know you can't have somebody reach out and turn on the light or um no turn on the tap yeah. to get a glass of water or you've just got to think everything through because it's so easy yeah. to uh, to fall into that trap. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because I, I write a lot of my fantasy is kind of set in a medieval world, you know, where you sort of bows and arrows and swords and stuff like that. And I have a I have a good working knowledge about, you know, medieval weaponry. Right. <laughs> Oddly, yes. Get me on a pub quiz. I'm there. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's interesting. I get very annoyed if you see book covers with people with with swords in their hands. So they've got the sword in their right hand and then they've got the the you know the 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 sword the scabbard for the sword on the right hand side well you don't you have it on the other oh, side right. because you would draw your sword yes, from the course. left side yes. do you see what i mean yes, but they quite often put the whole thing on the or on the right hand side well that's not how it works I you know <laughs> and it drives me mad and the same with uh, arrows and things you know they do a lot of the you see a lot of quivers on people's backs which is actually not what they did it was it was on your waist right. so it, th- things like this drive me, drive me crazy so I think we've all got our funny little things that we know about okay. and you you start then looking at other people's stuff and thinking oh that's wrong <laughs> yeah exactly I sure look yeah. right when I see pictures of um oh yes yes Yes, me- medieval weaponry can dri- drive you crazy, all that kind of thing. Yeah, in- interesting stuff. Yeah, and, and you see it a lot in... Um, the-, the other thing is I hate to hear anybody talking about shooting an arrow. Well, you don't shoot an arrow, you loose an arrow. You shoot a gun, Yes, but you don't you don't shoot an arrow. Arrows are not shot. We didn't shoot anything till we made guns, if you see what I mean. I do. <laughs> yeah, so, so it drives... You know, so things like that, as soon as, as soon as an author starts talking about shooting arrows, I'm like, no. I'm, I'm, you've lost me now. Yeah. So uh, the, my point is, as I'm waffling on here, Marcy, is I think it is important to, uh, you know, get, get the, get the details right because otherwise the reader is irritated and then you've kind of lost them. If they have to stop and go, hold on a minute, would they've switched the light on? Did they, did they push prams in the Regency area? Did they, do whatever it is you know it, it's it's interesting I think to yes. to do that where do you do your research you do it mostly online do you it's go on online. Bodleian or mostly online. mostly online yeah I do visit the library and take out 
books and just thumb through them. Um, yeah. I also watched a series on the television called The Victorian Farm. Um, oh, yes, really I know. Because it, I think they lived the lives of Victorians for a year. And uh, it was just interesting to see them completing these tasks and using the tools of the times. Uh, but anything to do with history, I enjoy anyway. So um, that was quite a nice little escape for me, really. Yeah. And, and I think when you look back, you see how hard people worked and how, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, so much work was given to women, you know, such a lot of, you know, everyday normal women, not 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 high, high up um noble women but normal women had such a lot to do and, and you know it's you know sometimes you say oh no why why you know why isn't there more women's writing why isn't there more women's yeah. you know artwork well we were too busy really exactly. it's only now that we've we're able to yeah. you know express ourselves really and live long enough to do it well just day-to-day chores wasn't it like doing the washing yeah in the cooking yeah everything took must have taken so much time yeah yeah Amazing, amazing, really. So, yeah, so fascinating stuff. Uh, would you say most of your stories are female-centred? Um, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that, you know, as, as I we're talking about women here. Yeah. Well, uh, are they f- female-centred, the main characters? No. The main character in the Magic Tree is Annie Carter, this young girl. Um, and she's in all, all of the books. But they, there are quite a lot of characters in my books, and I put a family tree in the front just so that people don't get lost. Ah, yes, I like a family tree. I was yeah. talking to a guy yesterday. We like we like fantasy maps. Uh, yeah, but actually, yes, family trees. I quite like that. Yeah, right. it was intentional the... that there are a lot of characters in a way because back then there were big families. And yeah, it, because it's set in a village, it's sort of village life. So there's a lot of families involved. Um, but no, one of the in one of the books, an old man is the main character, and um, he's been a tramp all his life, and suddenly comes into wealth, and it's a transition from his life tra- walking the streets and begging for food to suddenly finding he's got plenty of money. So um, that he's an important character in that. But women do feature heavily in them, I suppose. I wrote the three books. The Magic Tree was the first book, followed by The Angel Maker and then The Rabbit's Foot. And logically, I would have carried on from that point onwards. But in The in the Magic Tree, the grandma is called Betsy. And she was based on a character that I came across in family history, not a direct ancestor of mine, but I could read into what happened to her and she had a hard life. And I kept getting these um, thoughts about what I could write about Betsy, but I wanted it to be like when she was a little girl. And yeah. my fourth book is the, is the prequel to the other three, and it's gone back to the 1820s when Betsy was a little girl. And um, people seem to be enjoying that one as much as any of the books. Um, but at the moment, I'm writing the fifth book, and that one will now carry on after the initial three. So I've jumped back. Yeah. And, uh, is that the last one, do you think? Or... I think there might be one more. I think I'd like to see it to be six, and then I that will probably be it. Uh, yeah, I yeah enjoy that's it, a good number. It to be one, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice that you've come so far from yeah. ma- from massing about and then thinking, oh, hold on a minute, and then here we are. You know, here you are on a podcast. You know, well, I think it's, it's yeah. um, it was lockdown that did it because I'd written the magic yeah. tree and got that one published, and I was about halfway through the second one, um, but wasn't. I was taking my time. But nothing was happening very much, and then we had the lockdowns for COVID. And for something to do, really, uh, I picked it up and really soldiered on with it. So 
from that point of view, lockdown did me a favour because it made me knuckle down and finish writing the book. Yeah, I think a lot of people got in touch with their yeah. creativity, you know, in those in those strange times. I I was I was the other way. We had uh, my husband um, started working from home as it began because of the lockdown thing, and then both my daughters, one of them lost her job because she's a sound engineer, so all the theatres were shut. So she came home, and then the other one, my other grown, I've got two grown up children. They both came home. And then one of them was working from home. My husband was working from home. And then my other daughter was trying to find something to do from home. And suddenly the house was really full from having an empty house all day where I'd just given up supply teaching. And I was thinking I'm going to suddenly. So for me, I didn't get that massive creativity that I that a lot of people have happily said, oh, I did this in lockdown. Well, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I just tried to keep the house together, you know, and tried to keep everybody on an even keel, you know, with great, greater or lesser right. success on any given day. So it was it was pretty stressful. Um, but then as they all went back, real life yeah. came back to us. You know, my husband retired. He decided he'd had enough. The daughters went off to get on with their own lives and got their jobs back and all the rest of it. everything's everything's all nice now oh, so sure. now we're now we're in a now I'm getting on with things and it's it's good but no lockdown for me was stressful right yeah I, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean obviously you, you can never say you enjoyed it because so many awful things happened through it yes but yeah. for us personally um it was it was okay um it's only me and my husband I, we, we're both retired um, the children have all left home. So whilst they were working from home, they weren't working from my home. <laughs> yes, well, my, mine were, were. were quite cross about it. Yeah, so it was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we got through it. Nobody got sick. Oh. We were fine. And and here we all are. So, yes, happy days. So, yeah. So And also, I, th- I know what I was going to ask you. I think w- what was quite interesting is that people are having those bigger families back in the, yes. back in the day. My, and I think, these days we're so used to this 2.5 children that you can't you know and if somebody comes from a family of three or four or five or something that seems like a really big family you know I mean even my own mother my my own mother was one of 15 yeah yeah 15 she was the seventh child of the seventh child which is you know extraordinary when you look back on it and yet yet that was quite normal for the day that was the same as my husband's grandmother she was the seventh child out of 15 yeah, yeah. I've researched his family history as well. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like to do a bit of family history. I will get I'd, no, that's not true. I'd like somebody to do oh, it. Would you? Me. <laughs> I just like the answers. Once you start doing it, you get totally engrossed and it yeah, um yeah. it's a real pull on your time. <laughs> yeah, well, I did get my parents, my parents have both passed away now, but I did get them to when they were quite ancient to sort of sit and tell me all their brothers and sisters and what they remembered. And I've got it written down on something so that you could, you know, follow who married who and who did this and who did that. And it, it was it was quite interesting to to see, you know, the the pattern. So, Marcia, where can people find you online? Well, I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, also Goodreads. And there's my Amazon author page, but also on my website. And my website is the usual HTTPS colon backslash backslash Marcia Clayton, all one word, dot co dot UK backslash. 
Brilliant. Lovely. So people can find you. And I'll put those in the show notes, Marcy. And thanks for coming and joining me on the Words and Pictures podcast. It's been great. Thank to talk you very to you. much. I've enjoyed our chat. So lovely to talk to Marcia Clayton about her historical romance and interesting to find out where people gain their inspiration. I can well see how family trees could, you know, lead you down some imaginative paths. Okay, so next week, my guest is Nikki Rodwell and Nikki writes psychological thrillers. So it'll be interesting to have a chat with her. And uh, there we are. That's it. Um, You can find me, DJ Bowman Smith, at www.djbowmansmith.com. You can find me as a children's author at tigermolly.com. And uh, this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. Until next time. Bye bye.